Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Kelly Sullivan Walden. She is a dream therapist and the author of five books on dreams and premonitions. Kelly has appeared on numerous national radio and TV shows, including Coast to Coast AM, The Dr. Oz Show, and The Real. Kelly and I will be discussing enlightening stories from people who have experienced the extraordinary and tapping into life-changing wisdom that already exists within them. From her latest co-authored book with Amy Newmark titled Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable, 101 Eye-Opening Stories About Prenimissions and Miracles. Good morning, Kelly. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am so happy to be in your mama's kitchen with you, Johnny Tan. <laughs> it's so fun. It's, it's delicious in here. It smells so good. And it's just, oh, my mouth is watering. I'm so excited to be with you. <laughs> Thank you for the very nice compliments. The last time you were here was in October of 2015. So I'm so excited to have you back to talk about chicken soup mm-hmm. for the soul, dreams, and the unexplainable in a wonderful context. The book. It's a wonderful, inspirational read, and the stories are really, truly heartfelt. So congratulations for that. Thank you so much. I went through about three, maybe four pair of contacts, contacts (laughs) going through this process of reading the stories. I was in, everyone was like, are you okay? Are you okay? Mm Because I'm crying, crying, Uh. crying, blowing my nose. Not, didn't have a cold. I wasn't crying sad tears. Just every story is so touching. It's Really, Mm -hmm. really an honor to be a part of this collection. Wonderful. For those new listeners that we have, please kind of give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Ooh. Ooh. I'm happy to. Thank you. Um, Well, I, let's see, I was born in Los Angeles, East Los Angeles. There was a song by Cheech and Chong actually called Born in East L.A. That was my song. (laughs) Oh, I love that movie, by the way. (laughs) I love that movie. Born in East L.A. That was my song, because that's where I was. My father was a police chief. My mother was a school teacher. And, um... I, we moved to Whittier when I was um, probably seven because the East L.A. became very gang-infested. But for the most part, I had a really wonderful childhood, lots of play, lots of fun, lots of dreams. I think one thing that's unique about my upbringing that I didn't realize was unique until I got older was that my younger sister and I, I have four sisters all together. My sister Shannon and I are closest in age, and we would share dreamscapes together. It's now, I, I learned later, it's called parallel dreaming or tandem dreaming, where you actually share dreams with someone and you confirm it in the waking world where you talk about dreams and you realize that you had both been there, done that, and knew what those dream characters were. So that gave me, I think every kid remembers their dreams and has a vivid dream experience. But I think having a partner in crime, like I did a partner in dreams Mm -hmm. so that it was a, it was almost a daily thing with she and I, and it still is. Whenever I talk to her, we always talk about dreams and it really helped to give us a psychic connection. 
And I didn't think more of it than just the fact that that was something that we personally used. But I know that my dreams helped me navigate my way through junior high school, high school, college, through life transitions, boyfriends, like who was cheating on me. I might, if you shouldn't ever cheat on a girl who has good oh, dreams. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> note to self. But you know, I was able to get information, kind of psychic information, yeah, that came yeah. through my dreams that made things made things really a lot smoother for me. Not that it, you know, you can avoid all the bumps, of course not, but I became an actress in my 20s and during that time we could say I turned my back on my dreams because mm-hmm. my life became incredibly external. Um, very much about what does the person in front of me want me to be? Um, do they want me to tap dance? Do they want me to play a role of a mean person, a nice person? Or what do they want and I'll be that. So I I found that by the end of my 20s, I had totally had a dark night of the soul because I had lost my dreams. I had become so outwardly focused. And I had an acting teacher, even though I had some fun times and great parts. I I was on a movie of the week about the Beach Boys. I got to work with Mm -hmm. Eastwood and Forrest Whitaker and had some moments of wonderful success. But because I lost connection with my inner life, when one acting teacher said, you're, you're nothing, I thought mm-hmm. I was literally going to die. And I was obsessed with how I would take myself off the planet because this person was like God to me. But luckily I didn't die. I began the path of transformation therapy, 12-step programs, hypnosis, crystals, every metaphysical thing mm-hmm. I could get my hands on. Until I started to get my dreams back, I started to get myself back, but they were, I was having nightmares as my Mm -hmm. dreams were coming back. And the therapist told me that a nightmare is an unfinished dream. And it was up to me to figure out how to, how to, how to do my dreams, how to finish my dreams in a way that was empowering to me. And that was the critical, pivotal moment for me. I became once again, really connected to dreams. And then I began to share it with other people. I became a certified clinical hypnotherapist and began to work with clients and their subconscious minds and their dreams and learned how to help them turn their dreams from a nightmare into a sweet dream. And that's really become kind of the crucible, the crux of of my work, telling, teaching people how to transform their lives through dreams and writing a book about it. Um, my first dream book, I Had the Strangest Dream, came out in 2006, and that brought me back into the limelight, we could say, into the media, but this mm-hmm. time playing the role, the role of myself and with my soul intact. And I've written now a total of 10 books and six of them on dreams, this mm-hmm. is the, this would be the sixth the sixth one and and it's just really exciting because I I see the power that dreams have not just on myself not just with my clients and my personal circle of life but getting to be a part of the chicken soup for this whole family it's exposed me <clears throat> to thousands of dreams and dreamers from around the world that have mm-hmm. had life changing dreams and it just has refueled even more my passion for helping. I like to say awakening the world through the power of dreams. I believe, and this is the last thing I'll say, (laughs) Um, the last thing I'll say for now is I really believe that it's possible for us to live in this world and have a joyous, wonderful experience instead of life having to be so difficult and so full Mm -hmm. of struggle. 
And I believe Mm. if we were all tapped into the power of our dreams, we would have a more joyful, compassionate, exhilarating life experience. So that's what I'm hoping to impart with everyone with this book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable, and with you today in your mama's kitchen from your mama's kitchen. (laughs) Fantastic. This type of conversation can't happen in the living room. It has to happen in the kitchen where you can really let it loose. <laughs> Sitting next to the pots and, the, and like tasting everything up against the there you go. And Yeah, it's the best place because you can just nibble the whole time. It's just a wonderful visit talking about life and the pursuit of happiness in some ways. And in this case, we're using dreams to do that. Why do people yeah. dream? Oh, wow. There's so many reasons why we dream. There's, it's, we could talk for the next 500 years about why do mm-hmm. people dream. But I'd say to, to simplify it, there's the very basic reason and then there's the more uh, esoteric higher reason. So on the most basic level, I think of dreams as our personal energetic laundry machine. They help to cleanse us, cleanse the palate from the day before all we've got so many what i call in in hypnosis we call it message units like mm-hmm. those they're units of information that we accumulate in the day and there are thousands and thousands and as technology increases and gets faster and faster we are absorbing so much information every day and so our dreams are a sorting process and a cleansing process helping to discard what isn't necessary, helping us to really crystallize what is important, helping us to highlight what, what we need to do next the next day. So by the time we wake up, we have freshly laundered clothing. We can approach our day from a clean slate. We know who we are. We know which end is up. We know we've let go of a lot of stuff, and we're clear, more clear than we, than we realize about what mm-hmm. our next steps, what our marching orders are. And this is all without even remembering dreams. We don't have to remember them in order to benefit from them. However, it takes the process of what dreams can do for us to a higher level if we can remember them. So then we go to the higher place of what dreams can do for us. And so many of the stories written about in Dreams and the Unexplainable show you Mm -hmm. the power of dreams. Dreams, when remembered, can actually heal you, save your life. They They can reunite people that have been cut off from one another for years. They can connect somebody to their life's purpose, to their life's work. They can bring a person to riches. They can help you mm-hmm. win the lottery if that's what's in your <laughs> destiny. They can remove what's in your blind spot that your logical linear mind cannot see. And ultimately, I think they bring us into a bigger picture for why we're alive. And they give us a sense of the bigger trajectories, like the, the fact that this world that we're in isn't all there is. We're connected mm-hmm. to infinite love. Even when people we love pass on, we dream mm-hmm. about them and we can get wisdom from them. And it can make us not afraid for all the transitions that we have in life. In fact, it can give us great joy and enthusiasm about all that's possible to be in this life at this time and so dreams are incredibly important, whether we just want to survive better or whether we want to thrive better, dreams can help us do it. And they come to us every single night. And if we're smart, we'll pay attention to them at least a few times a week and just at mm-hmm. least a few minutes in the morning. Very interesting. 
I've got a couple of comments on it. One is, of course, the dream keep on reoccurring in the sense of, like for me, I can only speak for myself. Whenever I dream and the ones that I could remember the next morning mm. is like I'm getting caught in situations where I'm trying to find a door and I can't find a door, right? I'm right. still right. wondering, okay? Now, one yeah. day it might be in the forest, the next day, which means I couldn't find the open field, or the next day I'm in a building, I'm supposed to meet with so-and-so, but I like going upstairs, downstairs, this way, that way, and I never seem to kind of connect. And then by then, I'm already awakened. That's one. And then the other thing okay. is that can we pretty much set the title of our dream for like a better time before we go to sleep? Yes. <laughs> yes. Ooh, set the title. What do you mean yeah. by that? And I want to get back. I want to talk about your door dream, but what do you mean by... You mean set the intention for what we'll dream yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Like, let me dream yeah. about my mom that it passed on. Yeah. Can I dream about situations that is and stuff like that? Can oh, you set the theme of the dream? Yes, you sure can. In fact, I'm going to be talking a lot about this in my upcoming um, work with learning strategies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got an eight-part class that will be, that will be um, starting at the end of October. And so much of it revolves around what's called dream incubation. And mm-hmm. where you do exactly what you were just saying. It's where you set a very strong intention for a relationship or for your wealth or for or to connect with a departed loved one. But here's the thing, here's kind of the trick. You mm-hmm. think about it beforehand. If you if you have a few minutes, write it down what you want what you want your dreams to help you explore or what answer you want out of what question. And then and if you have some kind of a, a picture or like if, if you're wanting to dream about your mother, for example, that's passed on, mm-hmm. if you have a picture of her or if you've got a piece of fabric from a favorite dress that she wore or something mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. touch and see, that helps. And put that next to your bedside table. And if you want to light a candle, say a prayer, that's great. And then mm-hmm. here's the trick. Have your dreams and let go and don't be stressed about it. Don't focus on it. Just let it go. Because sometimes you'll have the dream the very you'll you'll wake up the very next morning with a very clear dream. But sometimes that dream might not come for another week. It might not mm-hmm. come for another month. But if you set a strong intention, it's like planting a seed in fertile soil. You have to let it go. You can't keep digging up the seed and saying, Are you there? Are you there? It's like in mm-hmm. the oven. You can't put a cake in and keep pulling it out. You have to let it bake, let it incubate, and then mm-hmm. it's your job to simply pay attention to the dreams that you have every morning, at least one of the main dreams, and and accumulate them. And at some point, I'd say within a week, at the very longest to a month, you will have some dream that will very clearly be the answer that you were looking for, or it will be a metaphor for that. Like you might not dream about your mother exactly, but you might dream about the food that she mm-hmm. used to make, or you mm-hmm. might think you might see a bird that is like the kind of bird that she loved, or an owl that's wise. There might be something symbolic of her, and that is equally as valid. But the truth is, yes, you can set an, a strong intention for what you want to dream about, and you will dream about it. Your subconscious mind is a part of your conscious mind, and they all work together. And if you are clear, then you're the director of that experience, and, and you will get what you're asking for. For sure. Now, can we talk about your doors? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to know. It's usually a situation where, like, I'm needed to be out there, and I coined it. As a kid, I've always dreamt about being a superhero. But it's like I'm supposed to be out right. there, and I can't find my way to the stage or something. <laughs> you 
like, I missed my moment kind of thing. I'm supposed to help this person. I'm supposed to be speaking or something, and I can't get to it. (laughs) I love this dream. So there's a few things I want to say. The first thing is on the very basic level, so we'll go basic and then we'll get Mm -hmm. more more, um, exalted. Um, yeah. On the more, most basic level, our dreams are helping us to work out our fears, helping us to, I would call this dream a venting dream, because it's okay. you're venting, mean, meaning that you're releasing, you're letting go, you're working through your fears of not being able to find the door, not being able to have your moment when the time comes. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you frame it that way, like, oh, my dream is helping me to let this fear go. It's, help, it's not trying to reinforce it trying to help me work through it so that I don't have it anymore. Mm. So if that's the case, then you can expedite the process by saying, okay, if my dream got to complete itself, because um, a nightmare, even even a frustrating dream is unfinished. So mm-hmm. you, as the director of your dream theater, you get to say what kind of ending you would like to put on this dream because this dream isn't over. So, Johnny, in a nutshell, if you could go back inside mm-hmm. any of those dreams, let's say the dream that you want to, that you're the superhero, you're supposed to find the door so that you can save the kids. Um, yeah. So, how would you pick the dream up? So, you're having a hard time finding the door, but it's not over. You're now lucid in the dream, and you know that you can create what you want to create. So, what do you do? You're in the dream. Describe it to me. That somehow I stop for a moment, focus, and find the right door to go versus I'm like, my mind is racing. That's what I feel at the time. Yeah. It's almost like I'm rushing, my mind is going around and I'm not focused yes. on that door. Yes. It's like too many things right. on my plate, I guess, for lack of a better term. My mind yes. is all messy, messy. Yes, yeah. So in your dream, you would calm yourself down, you would stop, mm-hmm. and you would get still, and then what? And focus on the door or the exit where I need to get yeah. to, the opening. Okay, so keep going, then what happens? So you focus on it, and then what? And then you now find I find that, yes, I can develop it to a point where now I can see it clearly, and I can calmly walk towards it, rather than I'm wrapped up in the moment of chaotic, oh my God, I got to find this door, I got to find this door, and the course of doing that, I'm not actually focusing on the door. I'm focusing yes. on, I am trying to find versus the door. That's what I'm getting from what you just said. Yes. Okay. So now you see the door and then Mm -hmm. what happens? Keep going. Go through it to be presented, I guess, or to be in that moment. That's where I've arrived for lack of a better term. Okay. So you turn the handle, you open the door and then Mm -hmm. describe what you see. What's there? I'm on stage. Oh my God. You're on stage. Yeah, I'm feeling where I'm being welcome and on stage and I have a captive audience and do my thing. That's where I do my best. I mean, so whether I'm that superhero or somehow, like I say, I need to deliver a message. I need to deliver something positive. And so from that perspective, I feel like, okay, now I walk through behind the curtains or I walk through that door when I show up. I'm the one that saved the day. I say that respectfully. Yes. I don't want to be condescending yes. or anything like that. No dream. No, this is important. Yeah. Keep going. Yes. Yeah. So, so you save the day. And how mm-hmm. is it received? So, so take me to Very well. I mean, it's like, wow, because I'm generating that positive thing. If I save the person, obviously, or speak something that connects with people, and then that energy in turn bounces back to me, 
And then it just starts growing from there. And then I'm recognized. Before you know it, I guess you're going from, oh, that guy's flying with a cape to he's uh, a guardian angel. And before you know it, they start giving you names, positive mm. names. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. So what's the so freeze frame this scene on one like what's the best moment of this of this new scene so that you can like take a snapshot of it in your mind, a picture of it in your mind. I think arriving and the fact that people are applauding me in terms of wow, where has this guy been all this while? He has something right very substantial here Great. to share, to give us. Great. So the final little piece on this is I would say just exaggerate this moment, like make it Mm -hmm. even more extreme, more colorful, brighter lights, louder sounds, Mm -hmm. and notice the way you feel in your body and just make it even bigger. And now that's your scene. That's your snapshot. Take that with you. And Mm -hmm. if you ever have the dream where you're trying to find a door again, you're going to remember, mm-hmm. oh, wait, I just need to stop and get still and calm down. And then all of a sudden, I know exactly where the door is or the exit door is. And then mm-hmm. this is what carries you through. And because it's a recurring dream, to mm-hmm. me, that means that there's a cosmic highlighter pen that, that's, that's drawn a circle around this. This is important. Mm-hmm. And you've just, in some way, you've just created a new neuro pathway for, out of that loop You've broken the mm-hmm. loop, and you now have a new ending to this story. So your job is to simply, every once in a while throughout the day, remember mm-hmm. that moment of you walking through the applause. You're on the stage. You feel so great. Just meditate on that a little bit, and you okay. will have completed the dream. And voila. Very, very That's powerful. fantastic. I do feel this, though, Kelly. I'll be honest with you. I mean, all of a sudden, there's something inside me that feel the fear just went away. If that makes sense. Like before you appear, yes. then you're kind of nervous. And yes. then when you're there, you're no longer nervous. Like you're the man, for like a better term, or you're the woman kind yes. of thing. Yes, yes, good. Because you just, you just walked through it. And your dreams mm-hmm. are trying to show you what needs to be walked through. I think most people don't know how to finish the dream. So mm-hmm. sometimes they'll be left with a dream like that, and they'll feel disempowered or feel like they've got a limp throughout the day because they're kind of like, oh, I had that stressful dream again, but it's like, wait, don't carry the stressful feeling into the day. Remember Mm -hmm. that if it's an unfinished dream, it's up to you to finish it, and then you can move through the fear into the solution, and now you've got, it's like you've got medicine for yourself and for everybody else that gives you even more of your superpower. Very, very, very simple and yet very powerful, and they have a very fancy term for this that they use at Harvard called Imagery Rehearsal Therapy, IRT. I'd been practicing it for years, thinking that mm-hmm. I made it up before I ever heard of what they were doing <laughs> at Harvard. <laughs> oh, they just validated this process. But know that it's a very, this is a, a serious, there, there's lots of scientific data about this, that it really works on very simple dreams and all the way to people that have had post-traumatic stress and have mm-hmm. those, the kind of dreams that are terrifying. You can use this very same process on on any of these kind of dreams, and it is so powerful. And it just reminds us that we are, we're, we human beings are so much more powerful than we may have realized. Because you just did something really amazing, and it was so simple. 
It's very interesting because, I mean, I do a lot of other things like ballroom dancing and stuff like that, but you're right. It's almost yeah. like once you hit through the sound barrier, there's no resistance anymore. You're cruising. You're at a cruising yeah, altitude. you're in the so zone. zone. <laughs> yeah. Cruising altitude, right? I yeah. Like that. So fantastic. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Johnny Tan, and my guest is Kelly Sullivan Walden. She is a dream therapist and author of five books on dreams and premonitions. Kelly and I are discussing enlightening stories from people who have experienced the extraordinary and tap into the life-changing wisdom that already exists within them from her latest co-authored book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable, 101 Eye-Opening Stories About Premonitions and Miracles. Kelly, let's talk about your wonderful introduction. I have to tell you, when I read part of that introduction, I'm going to say it after you tell us about the introduction, and I'll <laughs> put in my two cents. It's funny. My side of the equation is funny. So go ahead. Oh, my goodness. Well, the story that I tell is how I was, I was working. I'm working with Amy Newmark, the, the publisher and editor and co-author of, of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. And um, it was about a year after we'd been working together on the Chicken Soup for the Soul Dreams and Premonitions. And we were talking about marketing. And I just got this nudge to share a dream with her. And I don't know why, because Amy and I have a professional relationship. It's a very friendly professional relationship. But I have people that I share dreams with every day. But I I don't normally share – I've never shared a dream with Amy <laughs> Newmark until this one day. I just – felt it spilling out of my mouth and I had to tell her this dream. And the dream was basically I was I was in a house and all of a sudden there was this like this this very scary kind of a Medusa character that that was trying to scare me and I was terrified. She was so ferocious and she was almost like a demon, like ah so scary and I was like, "Oh my god." But then all of a sudden there was something familiar about her. And I realized I knew her and I realized, wait a second, not only do I know you from my past, but I love you. We, it's like we were friends from a long, mm-hmm. long time ago. And I was like, wait a minute, I love you. you know? <laughs> and she was like, oh man, like her scary mask didn't, didn't scare me. So all of a sudden in that moment, she transformed in front of me from being this scary creature into being this beautiful blue alien. And I remember that she had an upside down teardrop face. So it was like, and and the color, I can still see it. And the color gives me chills. It doesn't even feel like it's a color from this world, but I, I can compare it to like a baby blue, like the sky blue, but it was like a magical color. And, and it was like, she suddenly became the presence of this enormous love and I felt myself melt in her presence and it went from such an extreme I went from such a extreme fear place to such an extreme love place when I wrote wrote the dream down in the morning I was trying to describe that peaceful feeling and I described it by saying I felt like I was surrounded by 5 feet of fleece mm-hmm. that really soft like a baby blanket and I felt like that was a buffer and it made me feel like I was safe content 
And it gave me this feeling when I woke up the next day, like, ah, oh, I was just in so much joy and so much peace. And I realized that right before I had gone to sleep that night, I had been a stress case. I had been, I was the scary monster. I was so, I had overcommitted myself. And because I have a strong work ethic, if I commit myself to something, I want to finish it and I want to finish it well. I had way too much on my plate. I was so out of my mind that I was having fights left and right with my husband. I was <laughs> mad at everybody who wanted to talk to me. I was like, leave me alone. I've got deadlines. Come on. <laughs> Even my dogs, I was like, oh, come on, go feed yourself. <laughs> like, leave me alone. So I realized that, wow, I, my dream was showing me that it was me that was the scary one. And when I gave myself the opportunity to melt, there was re I really just wanted to be in love. I just wanted to be loving. But I had done mm -hmm. the, instead of over, under promise, over deliver, I had over promised and I was under delivering. So I realized I needed to bring in a more peaceful way. So I decided to bring, even though nothing in my life changed except this new way of being, this mm -hmm. five feet of fleece, blue alien way of being into my work and I realized kind of like you in your doorway your doors yeah. Johnny yeah it was like yeah. instead of being frantic I got to calm down and be in that that beautiful place and then I was able to boom 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 accomplish everything that was on my plate and I did it in a joyous way and that was a revelation to me so somehow I shared this whole thing with Amy and then I hear <laughs> silence on the other end of the phone and I think oh my god Kelly what have you done now you, you you now she knows for sure you are a freak from California she's from the con conservative east coast they don't talk about aliens they barely even talk about dreams now she's for sure going to try to get me out of this contract we're not going to work together and I'm like Amy are you there are you there and all of a sudden, I get a ding on my phone, mm -hmm. and in the silence, she'd been texting me a picture of her car's license plate, her blue car that was the color blue of the alien, and on the license plate, it said alien. And I got the chills. I was like, what are you sending me? This is so <laughs> weird. She said, Kelly, this is my drive this is my license plate. I am the blue alien. I have the blue car with the alien license plate. I said, What? In a million years. I would have never expected it. I said, Why? And she said, Okay, it's a long story. And now this is another part of the story where she says, When my kids were young, they were sitting around the table at breakfast one day and my son Michael asked, What are we? And I knew mm -hmm. at school they'd been talking about nationalities and religions, and, mm -hmm. and, and he said, what are we? Mm -hmm. and, and she said, well, we're part, um, part Catholic, I think she said Catholic, and um, <laughs> part, a part alien. Yes. She said, um, I, I bring the alien part into the family because, and she said, there's a marker because my initials are um, A-L-N, Amy mm -hmm. Um, Lynn Newmark, and, and that means alien. And then she goes <laughs> and talks about her his sister has a similar marking, and how the son, um, his her 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 brother Alan is A L N, and how they're all aliens. And the, they were like, oh, the kids were like, oh my god, are you kidding? <laughs> and so eventually they realized that she was, but it wasn't until after 
like everyone at the school, they had this joke about <laughs> them all being part alien. Now, Amy Newmark, if you meet her and see her, she's she's got a conservative East mm-hmm. Coast look. She does not look like right. she would have an alien on her license plate. But to me, this synchronicity, this this unexplainable reason, why did I share that dream with her of all dreams? To me, it all came together with I realized that I had always been a little nervous of anybody mm-hmm. in the publishing world as a writer, feeling mm-hmm. like I want the publishers to like me and I'm scared of them. And if they don't like me, then, oh, right. so I had been, I realized everyone, including the publishers, including Amy Newmark is just this blue alien in disguise. And the blue alien is an ally is somebody who I know from a long time ago and we mm-hmm. love each other, and there's, mm-hmm. and there's nothing to be afraid of. There's no need for stress. So right. I, so it had so many multiple layers, but ultimately it led us back to writing this book that was going to be dreams and the syn- and synchronicities, <laughs> but we decided to call it unexplainable. But it was like, oh my god! So it just made me feel like when these things happen, it makes me feel like I'm in the right place at the right time right. with the right people right. doing the right thing, and life is good. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. It's a wonderful story. This is where, from my cynical way of looking at things, you could have saved 1,500 words by saying, and there it was, <laughs> jumping right behind from the couch is Amy Newmark. You know? <laughs> Scared the heck out of me and tell me, snap out of it. <laughs> I should have saved all that. I could have just gone right there. Now I know. But that's what dreams are. They're, they're, they can sometimes be long and wild, and then you go, ah, now I get it. Boom, boom, boom. And I got mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you mentioned yes. something very important, too, just now, in the sense that, and I understand where you're coming from. This is very interesting, because no matter how sure we are, how confident we are, how conscious we are, we always feel in dealing, like you say, with a publisher. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. we put ourselves, and I talk about mm-hmm. this all the time when I was running a company. I always tell people, I don't want you to talk up to me because I'm not going to talk down mm. to you. I want you to talk to me mm. eye to eye. And mm. it's very easy because, oh, my God, I'm talking to my boss. I'm talking to so-and-so in this case. So we put them on that pedestal. And what happened is that it's a self-inflicted anxiety that we go through. Like you were talking yeah. about the dreams that I went through. I'm putting myself in that self-inflicted anxiety. Oh, my God, where's the door? Where's the freaking door? I'm missing my <laughs> my right. moment. Right. And I'm so right. thankful that you helped me to kind of hate. Get yourself grounded. And so in some ways, in that dream that you have about you and Amy, put you in that level playing field where you can come in and say, in the end, you are an expert in your field. I am an expert in my field. Hopefully we can dance. If we can't, that's fine. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's a very difficult thing. I mean, this is a funny thing. It's easy for us to tell people that (laughs) when it comes to us. It's not. Right. Well, it's human nature, and it's what we do. Yeah. We we put people in categories, and we do yeah. we make judgments. But but mm-hmm. it's it's really funny. I like to say in the interpretation of that dream. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of people these days have alien dreams or UFOs, mm-hmm. and I and I always like to say that the symbolism of an alien is usually it's 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 us. It's everyone in our dream is ourselves, and mm-hmm. what's what's most alien to all of us is our own power and how beautiful we really are. We think of ourselves, many of us, we fall asleep and we think 
we're so small, we think we're so mm-hmm. inadequate, or we think that we're just these striving, driving people. But really, if we could have a full awakening, we'd realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm good, I'm fine, <laughs> I'm powerful. It's all, yeah. it's all sweet, and yeah. so is everybody else. We're all, we're all connected. But the interesting thing is, is that dreams can offer such uncanny advice. Like somebody could have told me, Kelly, calm down. You being a mm-hmm. stress case isn't helping you or anybody. So don't do it. How many times mm-hmm. did my husband try to tell me that? And it just was <laughs> like it landed on deaf ears. But my dream, dreams, dreams give us wacky advice that we have to pay attention to. And if we do, mm-hmm. it transform us, transforms us, not on our mental level, but on a cellular level. So that mm-hmm. dream gave me the exact medicine I needed. It took me from fear and it brought me into deep joy and peace and it gave me a strategy that I could then use the very Mm -hmm. next day in my life and throughout and even since then and I even have friends now and people that I work with in dreams that talk about my blue alien dream and the five feet (laughs) of fleece oh yes I'm surrounded in five feet of fleece so now it's not just my dream it's everybody's dream (laughs) and we can use that and it gives us an edge it makes mm-hmm. us more productive. It made me more productive. It wasn't productive to run around like crazy. You were never going to find the door <laughs> by running around like crazy. You would never find it. It was right there. Right. And you right, know, on, right. that, on that note, just to throw this in there, I, because I just watched, mm-hmm. there's a TV show called the, the OR. Have you? The, I'm sorry, the, the o- OA. The OA. OA. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, um, without okay. giving away everything, um, there's mm-hmm. a there. It's about these people that are abducted, and um, they're they're mm-hmm. t- not abducted, but they're held um, hostage, or they're held mm-hmm. kind of I- against their will, and they're trying to get out. They're trying to get out, and they can't get out. It's foolproof. And the woman that's the main hero in the story has mm-hmm. a, a kind of near death experience dream where she goes to the other side, and she realizes, oh my God, we've been doing this all wrong. Instead of trying to get out in the regular way by being so stressed and angry, she said the way in is the way out. If we can drop deep enough into our own center, mm-hmm. then, we, then, then all the walls dissolve and we find ourselves mm-hmm. where we want to be. So that's kind of the – that was my big takeaway. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't watch the show and you'll still enjoy it. <laughs> I didn't give it all away, but <laughs> – I have no worries about that because I like to go to movies and I want to know what the ending is all about because I'm not like, what? Oh my gosh! Like for me, I do need to know the end of the story <laughs> and okay, enjoy so the movie. Like, maybe maybe you're not like my mama, but you're like my grandmama, my grandmother. <laughs> and I, I actually one of the stories in the book is about her, but she's she mm-hmm. is and I always lived in her kitchen. Her kitchen is mm-hmm. where I learned to bake. And mm-hmm. she would never read any book until she read the last chapter first, and mm-hmm. then she would go back, or even just the last page. Would, right, was right. Like right. grandma, why do you do that? She's like, I don't want to be nervous while I'm reading the book. I want to know that it all ends up okay. And now right, I enjoy right. the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like that's, that's it. It doesn't bother me, you know. And it bothered people. And I said, no, I want to know what the ending is, and then. Between here and there, I know what to look for. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. So the dreams can give you a preview of coming attraction. There's one of the stories in the book 
where mm-hmm. where they where somebody gets a preview of coming attraction. Should we talk about the story about the walk with my son? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that story. Yeah. Well, this let me see. This story is an amazing one. Um, this is so. There's um, a couple. Let's see. Um, where are they in here? Um, when impossible. It's chapter two, uh, it's page fifty. It's page fifty. Page fifty. Yes. Yep, and this is by Michael Hauser, and he talks right. about having um, not not being a religious person, being brought up Catholic, but kind of swearing off religion, and um, his wife too, and they were just spiritual, not religious, and they, they get married, have this wonderful life, have uh, have a few kids, and they're now forty years old, and they decide it's time to have no more kids. We're done. We're we're getting older. <laughs> Let's just stop this. And so she, his wife, has tubal ligation. And so they're they're good. And they um, until one night, Michael has a dream that he's walking along the beach, and there's two figures walking toward him. And as they get closer, he realizes one of the figures is Jesus, and the other one is this small boy. And as they get closer, he looks into the eyes of the boy, and he realizes this is my son. And he this is not he had daughters, so this is mm-hmm. not a son that he had ever met before. Mm-hmm. And Jesus hands puts the hand of the boy into his, and the man holds the son's hand and says, basically, he, he makes an agreement, I'll never let you go. And he wakes up from this dream with tears stri- streaking his face, and he looks over and he sees his wife has tears streaking down her face too. And she looks at him and says, I know. And he's puzzled, like, why would we have, they both had the same dream. At the same mm-hmm. time, talk about tandem dreaming. And they right. both were moved because they were introduced to their son in a dream by Jesus, and they weren't even religious. Right, right. So they, right. and they can't believe, well, they, you know, they, they won't have this child because she just tied her tubes. And um, a few months later, the in his lunchbox or his lunch sack, his wife makes him mm-hmm. lunch when he goes to work, is a poem, the Footprints poem. Um, mm-hmm. And on the back of it is the, or it's in the, like tied up in it is the pregnancy test. She was pregnant. And it turns out that there's a 99% effectiveness rate for tubal ligation. 1%, 1% chance that you could still get pregnant. Well, I'm covered in chills as I say this. Of course, she was pregnant. <laughs> and cut to the present tense, they did have their son who's a beautiful, beautiful boy, and they couldn't be happier. So, Isn't that amazing? Dream. Yeah, yeah, the dream gave them a preview of coming attractions, even though they thought there's no way. How could this be possible? They didn't realize there was a 1% out of 100 that they that mm-hmm. they could still get pregnant. My wish is that they did share this with their son, because I chose that story as well. I love the story because... Oh. My mom experienced three miscarriages prior to adopting wow. me. Yeah. Wow. And the last miscarriage she had was a late miscarriage. I think she was about seven or eight months pregnant, and it was a boy. Oh, wow. Of course, needless to say, that was devastating. And then she actually adopted a boy, and the boy died a month later. <gasps> Now, I don't know oh. whether at the time it's maybe crib death or whatnot and so forth. So suddenly it was just like, okay, things happen, oh. right? It is what it is, so to speak. Wow. And then in my situation, somehow my maternal mom is 
related on my father's side, sort of a distant cousin. And she have always mentioned to my mom, says, don't worry, if this is a boy, it's yours. <sighs> and it's sort of like I'm just staying in there. And my mom and my dad went wow. to, my adopted mom and dad, that is, before I was born, had gone to see a sage. And the sage was telling her the whole story about, don't worry, this boy is yours. It's just resting wow. in the person's womb. And he went on to tell my mom about the lifelines that we have on our hands, our palms of our hands. And yeah. mine goes all the way down from the top to the bottom on my left hand, mm. my left palm. Mm. And my dad, my adopted dad, has it on his right. Now, obviously, mm. he, the sage doesn't know that I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> right. And so right. that was very interesting. And then the final side of the story, in a way, the sage told my mom that there will come a point in time you need to let this boy go. He's going to have to go very far away from home. The further he goes, the better off he is and you are. Oh, and whole wow. and behold, at 18, I had the opportunity to come to the United States. And the college that I went to, Louisiana State University, when you take the globe in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and you mm. drill through the globe, mm. Malacca, Malaysia is on the other side of the globe. Oh my God. <laughs> and all these were prophesied to her before I was born. I didn't know about this until she came to visit me after eight years that I was here in the United States and told me the story. I knew I was adopted before I left, but the rest of the story, so to speak. Oh my God, that is so, so. beautiful. This is a movie, Johnny. This is such a <laughs> I movie. I mean, well, I think it's amazing that your mom was that that um, resilient that she could go mm -hmm. through that much heartbreaking loss and and then still be open and yeah. so I'm so grateful and wow what a beautiful beautiful story and, and that you honor all of your moms in your book and on your radio show is <laughs> such a beautiful tribute I'm so Thank proud you. of you on their on their behalf I'm so proud of you <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. When you read and you share stories from other people, then you realize like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. These are things that it's totally, like you mentioned, unexplainable because yeah. if you want to believe it, yeah, or you can say it's to chance, sure. But in the end, it's in the eye of the beholder, yeah. basically. Yeah, well, and it reminds you that you are in a friendly universe. And even mm -hmm. when things don't go the way we want or they're painful. There's a bigger story mm -hmm. unfolding. And, That's right. Um, I don't think a person can read this book without having the realization that, that this is okay. No matter what's mm -hmm. going on in politics, on the news, and all the things that could be stressful, there is something else happening, and it is beautiful, and we're all mm -hmm. tapped into it. It's an equal opportunity connector, and we all have it. And um, these stories are so good for the soul. And um, and it makes me feel like I'm, my belly is full and my soul is full <laughs> reading them and talking about it and hearing about you. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful stories. So what other stories that you like from the book? Oh, my goodness. There's so many that I love. Um, let me see. I You know, one that I, that I, I mean, I they're all my favorites. They're like children. Mm -hmm. They're all my favorites. I think one really fun story is, um, is the one about the, the owls, the mm -hmm. matchmaker mm -hmm. owls by Barbara Blossom Ashman. Mm -hmm. um, it's on 
it's story 51 on page 189 and she's somebody who kind of like your your mom i mean she just wasn't she it seemed like she's not lucky she's not having any luck with finding love your mom was having a hard time having a child she's having a hard mm-hmm. time finding love and she's feeling pretty desperate about it and um she she goes to an art exhibit and she's struck by this image of this beautiful owl with outstretched wings and she stands in front of it for a while and she feels like she's kind of mirroring the energy of this the heart chakra being open and she realizes that she mm-hmm. had been closed before and looking at this owl was this really powerful reminder to be open to open her heart and she looks at the price tag and says oh my god <laughs> i love this painting but out i can't afford it but she keeps coming back to it, and she finally she she becomes obsessed with this painting. She ends up talking to the painter and saying, "I just, I just, I want this painting. I can't afford it. It's not in my budget. But could I possibly keep it for a week and then figure out how I could do it?" And the artist said, "Sure. Nobody else has bid on it, so so go ahead." And so basically, she comes home, goes through her desk drawer, and finds a check that was undeposited that she had totally forgotten about that is for the same amount as the painting, minus one penny (laughs) in the same (laughs) amount. So she takes it as a sign, I am meant to have this owl in my house. So she buys it, and she places it over her bed. So every time she wakes up, she will be reminded to have an open heart during the day. And every time she looks at this owl, it's just such an empowering image for her. And, mm-hmm. and still there's no luck in love. And she finally, a friend of hers suggests a psychic and the psychic says, yep, in six months you will find love. It will be a roller coaster ride, but you will find true love. So she says, okay, well, <laughs> let's bring it on. So she's practicing becoming the owl, being the owl, acting like the owl. And this isn't a dream story, by the way. This is just an incredible <laughs> thing. Anyway, she's date, she's dating, and she's not. there's not really anybody that she's that drawn to. There's a guy that she meets, and she doesn't think he's Mr. Right. He's short. He's bald. <laughs> he's not the exciting, tall, dark, handsome guy that she always envisioned being with, but she really likes him, and they begin to – date and and explore each other's lives and then one day he invites her to stop by his house on their way to go somewhere else and he's giving her a tour and they go into the bedroom and what is above his bed but a photograph not a watercolor painting but a Mm -hmm. big photograph of an owl with outstretched wings just in the same pose that the owl over her bed is and she says why do you have an owl over (laughs) your bed? He says, well, I'm really into owls. And he shows her her, his entire owl collection. And basically on a dime, Mm -hmm. she realizes, Mm -hmm. wow, okay, let me let my barriers to love go even more. And it turns out that he was the man for her. And yes, there was a roller coaster romance. And they are true love. They are in love and her heart is still open. And it was those owls that partly that, that were part of the navigation process that brought them to each other. I just love that story. It's so hopeful. I love it. And of course, actually, she got a bargain on that owl painting, obviously, <laughs> because this is, of course, before all that owls start appearing in the commercials. Oh, <laughs> Remember? Yeah, oh, owls are all in the commercials now. It's it's. <laughs> I'm just oh, being yeah. silly. Yeah. So the price oh, of owls now has gone up. 
exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, that's so funny. I think one of the other stories, actually, I have mm-hmm. known about this story, um, and then mm-hmm. I asked my friend Aurora Winter to, mm-hmm. to bring it into the book. It's a story that I love that I've been drawn to from the beginning. It's in yeah. um, Chapter 8, Comfort mm-hmm. and Closure. The story yeah. is called Three Questions, and it's by Aurora Winter. And mm-hmm. um, I met her just not long after she had this dream, and she and mm-hmm. I became fast friends. I, I saw her at church from across the way, and I thought, I need to know her. And, we, and whew, the, we've done so much work together. Anyway, she, she had a lovely marriage, um, she, a four-year-old son. She was on top of the world. She talks about having gotten into the boating industry, and she had just mm-hmm. sold – a boat and was and had been boating with Goldie Hawn and Mel Gibson and she thought, Oh my God, my life cannot get any better. I love my life. <laughs> and out of nowhere, in the in the middle of his sleep, her husband had he was a very healthy young man, thirty three years old, he dies of a heart attack right in front of her and leaves her suddenly a widow, single mom with this little boy. And she spends so much time in deep, deep, deep grief Mm -hmm. going into such a dark pit. And it's basically, and everyone's trying to fix her up with people and saying, Oh, you're young, you'll be fine. And she, and everything everybody does just makes her feel worse and worse and worse. Finally, two years after his death, she has a dream that he comes to her in an airport and she can't believe that she sees him. And she's like, where have you been? Ben, oh my God, you can't believe how hard it's been without you. And she's mad at him. And she's also happy to see him. And he says, I I can't go with you on the flight, but I just have three questions to ask you. Question number one, do you, if you knew that I was going to die young, would you, Mm -hmm. do you wish that you would have known this before, like, you know, from the beginning? And she thought about it and thought, "Mm, no, because that would have painted our time together, I wouldn't have had mm-hmm. the joy and the freedom and the wonderful experiences if I had the thought that death was right there. So no. And then he said, <clears throat> well, then knowing this, do you wish that you, knowing that I would die young, do you wish that you would have never met me? And she said, oh, my God, you've been, you were the most wonderful husband I had. No, even though our time was short together, of course I would have, I would have married you, and I'm glad that we spent that time together. And he said, and knowing that I would die young, do you wish that we didn't have our son? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, my God, Yale, that's his name, is the love of my life. He's so precious. And no, I'm so glad that we had our son. And he said, well, then knowing that all of this would happen and not wanting to know ahead of time, she basically you got what you wanted. And she thought, oh, my God, I didn't want him to die, but – but right. I, I had wonderful experience. I had a wonderful marriage, and I have a wonderful son. So, wow, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything. And she woke up from that dream completely changed. It was like mm-hmm. the healing kicked in, and she began to. And people wondered why why the sudden change in her. And she would share that she had this really powerful dream, and she mm-hmm. realized that. That she, even though she wished that he was still there, besides that, everything was as she would have wished. And and she loved her life. 
And she began to tell that story about the dream. And pretty soon people started coming to her that were also going through some kind of grief, having lost a loved one, having lost a job. Mm-hmm. And before she knew it, she began, she became a coach. And then before she knew it, because it was becoming her, her coaching practice was so full, she began to coach coaches how to coach. So she mm-hmm. became, she mm-hmm. became the founder of the grief coach Academy and mm-hmm. cut to present time thousands of people have been hearts have been healed and mended because of her process and because of the mm-hmm. the process that she now teaches people and actually this isn't the work that she does anymore she's it's just kind of her legacy lives in the coaches that she's coached but so many people's hearts have been healed because of of her dream including her own so to me that was a really powerful one it's a powerful and beautiful story and i love that story also because in the sense that we all have to go through the grieving process, obviously. And then the yeah. number one thing that kicks in in situations like this, and I know I went through a process in the sense that my father died actually a year after I got to the United States. So that kind of oh, changed gosh. the dynamics, the trajectory of wow. my life in the United States, actually. But wow. one of the most important things is that when we go through this grief process, we always tend to dream about the what ifs in life. Because I knew my dad loved John Wayne and Hollywood, so it would have been great. Like, wow, had you hung on four or five more years, obviously Mm. that all could possibly happen, right? And when I was talking to one of my university counselors, she mentioned something very important. She said, the what-ifs in lives never happen. Mm. So cherish what happened, but not what never happened. Right. And that mm. changes the trajectory of my thought process. And this story, in a way, wow. reminded me of that from that perspective where there's nothing wrong. We have to go through the process because that's natural. But then yeah. that flip, the switch. Yeah. It, it feels like it brings us to radical gratitude for what we mm-hmm. do have. And mm-hmm. I think if we could really wake up to how much we have to be grateful for, we would be overwhelmed by how much there is, and we would realize, oh, my God, why was I wishing for anything to be different? Look at what I have. I'm in the middle. My life is a treasure chest of blessings. Even though they might not be exactly the treasures that I thought they might be, they are amazing. And we could never get to the bottom of that pile of treasures, no matter how hard we worked and how much we looked, because there's so many. There's so many for all of us, all of us. So true. And that's where it comes back to the idea in our normal thinking process. We always think about the past, the present, and the future. So in this case, if there's no more future, then cherish history and enjoy the present moment. Mm. That sounds like a good recipe for success and happiness. (laughs) Where can someone go to buy the book, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Because I know you have a bunch of stuff coming up, so please share that with us. Oh, thank you, Johnny Tam. Um, So Dreams and the Unexplainable, Chicken Soup for the Soul, can be purchased anywhere books are sold. Um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, local bookstores, Rite Aid, even I think Costco um, has, has them, so... And they've got a beautiful embossment on the front. It's amazing. Um, they can people can go to my website, which is kellysullivanwalden.com, and get a free download of my dream declaration meditation. So if you're somebody that wants to enhance their dream, your dream recall, 
This is a great meditation to download. You can get it for free at kellysullivanwalden.com. And if that's too hard to spell, you can just go to ihadthestrangestdream.com. It still takes you to my website, and, and you can download those gifts there. You can find me on Facebook at Kelly Sullivan Walden Dr. Dream, but you have to spell doctor all the way out. And on, on Twitter, Kelly S. Walden, Instagram, Kelly S. Walden. And I've got an upcoming trip to Costa Rica, and we still have a couple spots for that. You can find out about that on my website. And um, an upcoming trip to Peru as well, and we'll be doing dream work and exploration, soul, cellular exploration. People can also... If they get First for Women magazine, I have a monthly dream column in this national magazine, which is very exciting. It's um, instant insight. It's towards the back of the magazine, like the last four pages. Um, so lots of lots of ways to connect. Fantastic. As we close the hour, and since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Oh, yes. Well, I, I think paying attention to dreams is so important that if this is a really practical recipe it's wake up in the morning and before you do anything write down your dream and even if you don't understand it just at least write it down like a dutiful secretary just take the notes write it down and then later in the day notice how how the wisdom speaks to you and act on it take action on your dreams every remembered dream requires some form of action in your waking life and let this process wake you up to the magnificent being you are. And to go back to the beginning of our interview, what's most alien to most of us is our power, is our beauty. So just know that when you wake up, that's what you have to look forward to. There's more beauty, more power, more love than you could have ever dreamed possible. And that's all in store for you. Fantastic. That's a wonderful recipe for living. And thank you for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. It's always been thank a pleasure. Thank you. It's so much fun. I love being in your mama's kitchen and from your mama's kitchen. It's the best. I'm so grateful that your mama's had you and nurtured you and taught you so well. I know they're all so proud of you, as am I. And one of these days, I hope I get to dance with you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> to all our listeners, please join me in two weeks. Tuesday morning, October 10. My guest will be novelist Shannon Baker. She is the author of the Kate Falk series. Shannon was voted Rocky Mountain's Fiction Writer 2017 Writer of the Year. Shannon and I will be discussing her latest novel in her Kate Falk series titled Dark Signal. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Bye-bye.